Injured in a car accident? We cap attorney's fees at 30% of the first million. Any recovery above that is all yours. No recovery, no fees or costs. If another lawyer wants more, lawyer up 904. For accidents, injuries, and more, lawyerup904.com. Moments like this, these last two football games, being able to do what we've done, energize a city, right? Energize a, a, a town, energize fans, uh, is only going to make us better moving forward. And that's the part that I'm excited about. No one, no one thought we should be here, and we just kept believing. And it was really cool, really cool to be a part of. And, and it was special. And like I said, just the beginning. You know, I, I go back to April, and I, I told the team in April, I said, expect to play playoff games on the road in Cincinnati, Buffalo, and Kansas City. You know, I think that was this this year, obviously, was huge for, for this organization, for our city, for just our franchise, you know, moving forward. And, and it kind of sets the bar of, of, of who, who we're going to be and, and what we're going to do moving forward. And and that's the mindset, and, the, and we won't settle for less than that. And this this won't be this won't be the last you guys hear of us. So we'll be back. This boy got a hit. Ten Ten XL ninety two point five FM presents Jaguars Today with your host Mike Dempsey, Tony Smith, and E to the T. Oh, and bonus today on Jaguars Today, Demetrius Harvey from the Florida Times Union. Joining us in studio, good morning, Tony Smith, how are you? All the todays, whenever we have to talk about the present day, right? Like, yes, <laughs> yes. Joining us on Jaguars Today, today, yeah. uh, you read the USA Today, today. I'm good. Uh, yeah. A uh, couple have... more days to get ready for the Super Bowl. We all been pumped about it, right? Yeah. I don't know. Oh, yeah, that's coming up this weekend. <laughs> we'll talk about it at some point uh, during this week. I, I was just wanted to make sure I woke up and I didn't find out that E.T. got Traded to a Phoenix radio station for like four first round picks and a producer to be named later. So happy oh, to see something you still going here, ET. <laughs> right? Producer <laughs> trade deadline at three o'clock today, man. So we're hanging on for dear life. Uh, we got to sweat out the next five hours with ET in much demand. But Demetrius, good morning, sir. How are you? Good morning. I'm doing all right. How about you guys? Uh, we're fine. You know, uh, as we were just kind of joking before we came on. Uh, all thanks to Trevor Lawrence. We have a new cycle of content to discuss as he, yes. you know, dropped a, a love letter to the Jacksonville fan base uh, in the Players' Tribune yesterday. And, uh, you know, as if Jaguar fans needed any more reason to believe that this was the guy, I thought, uh, you know, just a, a well-penned uh, missive on his thoughts on how things went this season and, most importantly, what's still to come. Absolutely. It was it was fantastic to read. I think that um, it pretty much en encapsulated what they sort of went through this season. It was exactly what, what, what they wanted to see in terms of the bond that they've created. I think that that was something that he talked about where, you know, it's a, it, it was a family. And it might not have been like that during, you know, the last year where <laughs> it was sort of um, just sort of disbanded. Everybody was, you know, going their own way. People wanted to leave. It's not the family you would have chosen to grow up in. No. Let's put it that <laughs> yeah, way. No, ex ex exactly. And I think that um, this year you could see, you know, even through that five-game losing streak, they really stuck together. It was never a time where they were, like, pointing fingers or, or, or making jokes or doing anything like that. They knew that 
they were right there, and then they finally were able to get it done. Yeah, you wonder, at Tony, how mm-hmm. badly those wins were needed when they came, though. You know, as Trevor Lawrence laid out in that piece in the Players' Tribune, if you didn't see it, just go to theplayerstribune.com. It's a, a free story, a letter to Jacksonville that Trevor Lawrence wrote uh, in his own words and, you know, said at the beginning of the year, he was wondering, were guys looking to get out? What you know, what what kind of situation were we going to be in? Right. Yes, Doug Peterson came in and tried to change the culture in the off season, but when you open up the season like three and seven, I'm sure some of those same questions for some of the hang- holdover players were uh, still bouncing around their heads. I'm sure they were, but there was never the threat that anyone on the coaching staff was going to ignite the TNT. Yeah. Right? Like, that was never a threat in the building last year with the Jags, even when all that was going on. And, in fact, you hear the players, Demetrius, talking about Doug and his calm, steady influence, even when all that was going on, being the reason that they had the confidence that they were going to have an opportunity to get this thing turned around, right? Like, they have big losses, and they go into, you know, meetings that week, and Peterson's like, I got a crystal ball, <laughs> right? It's going to come down to week 18. We're going to make that happen. Right, like that's the coach they had this year, as opposed to, oh, here comes the story about him kicking a kicker and those kind of things going on in season while everything else is crumbling with the organization. As far as just a season trying to build anything, you you never had a chance to build momentum. They wouldn't get out of the players' way at all. Absolutely, it it it, it was something that they needed. They needed a calm presence because last year or in twenty twenty one, it was just you know even even during the the. The preseason, you could see on Urban's face where he was just, you know, distraught. You know, they lost to the Saints. All of a sudden, you know, everything's broken. It was that early. And so when you see Doug Peterson and what he's been able to do and what he came in and said to them, it was like, no, this is going to take some time, but we're going to keep on the same course. He came in with a PowerPoint or, you know, whatever presentation he did. And he stuck to it. I think that that means a lot to all the all the players. The the consistency and the need to have a steady face, a steady uh, voice in the room. I think that that was something that they 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 needed badly. And so they were able to do that. And I think that you know Doug Doug showed throughout the course of the season he was the right guy for the job. Yeah, players say that all the time. That consistency, like I, you can give me bad news as long as you shoot me straight. You know, and you're the same guy every day, and you're going to react similarly to similar situations that's the case think about it in any job you have you know if your boss is one way one day one way the next day I mean it's not a great environment so um I I think anybody can relate to that sure we're about to see a Super Bowl matchup with a guy who got let go by the other guy right between the head coaches and Sirianni talked about it when he got there on Monday right this idea of yeah I want to beat him I want to show him that he was wrong about letting me go when when Andy Reid arrived in Kansas City. But it's not he was honest with me. It was fine. I'm not angry that he did what he did in the moment. I'm upset that they made the decision as an organization that they made. And there is a difference between those things. If you're straight with people and you're straight with people all the time, especially in those kinds of positions, that pays massive dividends as opposed to everyone walking around the building going, what what are we going to get today? out of this guy and last year they had to feel that way walking in yeah absolutely like they, they were walking on eggshells the previous year they were making sure that they didn't mess up they, they they didn't know exactly what the course of the franchise was 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 hidden in and you know I think under Peterson you're able to see 
each and every day they 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 knew what they were expecting. They knew what they were going to go into. The practice schedule rarely changed. If it did, it was probably due to, you know, travel things. They played on a couple Saturdays, you know, the Thursday night football. But everything remained the same, and I think that that was important. I think that even through the losses, it's not like he was saying something different, you know, through the losses as he was during the wins. He was always saying we're one play away, you know, during those those five game during that five game losing streak where they lost by I think six points or less almost each time or, or seven points, whatever it was. Um, they 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 didn't you know change course. They didn't say, oh well, now we have to completely blow up the offense. We have to change this. We have to bring in this guy. We have to get more speed. We have to do this. We have to do that. No, they just stayed exactly how they were, and eventually they got better. Yeah, you wonder, though, if you don't have a Super Bowl-winning coach who's had a lot of playoff success, mm-hmm. saying those things to you, Demetrius, does it sink in the same way? Because I'm telling you, yeah. in covering this team for all these years, we've always heard we're, we're killing ourselves. It's one or two plays. It's us. And the, you look up, and you're like, you lost by 24. What are you talking about? You know, so that that whole message, I think, is an NFL thing. Like, we control the outcome. It's what us. It's not what you're going to do to us. It's how we execute our stuff. But there's got to be some reality to back it up. And fortunately for the Jags, there was because they were in all those football games. But, boy, if you don't break through at some point, you know, you wonder, does it all slide away? That wasn't the case. So we'll look at uh, where the Jags head this offseason with Demetrius Harvey. But uh, let me look back quickly on uh, how was your first full season as a member of the Florida Times Union covering the team? It was fun. It, it was uh, it was different because this is the first year that I actually traveled to pretty much every game. I miss Indy. I didn't go to London. Uh, but I went to every other game outside of that. And, you know, it, it was it was a real blast, you know, being able to travel. It felt like you were traveling with the team, so to speak. You know, you're in the locker room a- after the game. Um, you really got a really good perspective on it because in years past when I'm just covering the home games, uh, you don't really get to see their their reaction in real time um, away. And so you're you're sitting there trying to formulate stories and you're trying to figure out the pulse of the team. But I really felt like I got a good grasp of it this year. Uh, felt more connected, so it, it it was it was fun. It was great. You know, I'm I'm excited for the next season. Well, take advantage of uh, Demetrius being in studio with us today. He's kind enough to give us the next two hours of his time, so you could be a part of it uh, today. And that includes answering today's question of the day, which is pretty much going to be a runaway. But we wanted to be fair. We did one on the offensive side. Uh, earlier in the week, and we're doing the similar question on the defensive side, asking today the Chad and Sandy real estate question of the day, who is the best defensive free agent signing by the Jaguars in the last uh, year, in 2022? And you can feel free to factor in the size of the contract as well as on and off the field contributions. Uh, your choices, the four uh, main guys, they signed Foley Fatakasi, Arden Key, Foyer Aluikin and Darius Williams, and right now, pretty much a runaway for Foyer Aluikin, and understandable. I think Arden Key is going to get his share of support here when you factor in, you know, how much you had to invest in this guy uh, to have the impact that he ultimately did on this football team. But uh, share your thoughts with us on that and anything else Jaguars related, and you can send your questions in uh, for Demetrius in a variety of ways. Pick up the phone and call 641-1010. Same number works for the text line designed by Lifetime Enclosures, or on Twitter today, at MD underscore 1010XL, at 1010XL Fat Tony, at Demetrius82, and at IME2, the 
T. Come on, somebody. All right, we're off and rolling. Jaguars today. Demetrius Harvey is in studio here with us. We'll uh, look at uh, what happened in the 2022 campaign, but most importantly, how the Jags are going to improve in this 2023 offseason. You're listening to Jaguars today on 1010XL and 92.5 FM. I mean, you guys got it set up for a long time now, and you got the right coach down there. And you see how much coaching matters. I mean, he was, I mean, you wouldn't even know how much talent he had with uh, Urban Meyer down there. And now um, it looks like you guys are set up for a nice tenure or however long he plays career. Now more Jaguars today on 1010XL 92.5 FM. That was former Jaguar quarterback Rob Johnson talking about the Trevor Lawrence-Doug Peterson combo yesterday on Jaguars Today. And uh, appreciate Rob stopping by. Um, taking care of a little in-house house cleaning right now with 1010XL. Oh. Uh, E.T. did post a few photos from the debacle of uh, Dan Hicken getting his back waxed this morning. I could have probably done without the used wax strips with all the hair <laughs> yeah. sticking out of them. That's the one that just, that's the only one that might make me want to put lunch off for a little while, man. Uh, and it's funny because you post that and the first reply is from a guy named Jim. Dan's terrible at the Friday five packets. He's coming like glass six years in a row. Like, hey, way to come out of left field there, Jim. Right. <laughs> you know, anybody, the people are just lining up to take their shots, uh, whatever opportunity they get. But, you know, rumor has it somebody might have gotten a good, photo from the hallway i don't oh, know if okay. that was the case or not but you know thank goodness we just buy breakfast right that right I don't, I, we don't need a wheel we're, of torture we're not pledging to a frat right exactly <laughs> right i don't i don't need to do that i don't need to pee my pants nor do i need to act like i did yeah. uh walking into but it's funny when they store. do it's good for them yep. right? i love that the fact that they're willing to do it I appreciate you guys buying me breakfast as often as you do throughout the, the season. All right, Demetrius Harvey is here with us from the Florida Times Union. Uh, let's dig into a little free agency here, uh, Demetrius. Uh, you know, I don't know if this is speculation from Field Yates. He threw that number $15 million out there uh, from ESPN for Jawan Taylor, a contract that would average in that department. Maybe he's talked to his agent. Maybe he's just speculating on what the market will be. I don't know. Um, what is your priority you put on the Jaguars retaining Juwan Taylor if you want the Jaguars to succeed and you know you want the best for them uh and they ask Demetrius we need you to advise us here uh, what how important is bringing Juwan Taylor back to this football team yeah well first of all that would be a mistake by them to, ah. to make me uh advise them but you know I, I would say uh it should be a high priority it, it really should because you know the success that he had last year it wasn't just because he's in his contract season you know they brought in Phil Rauscher they have a different scheme up front um, you have Brandon Sheriff beside him I think that you could see the potential there and the growth and what he was able to do um, but you know I think Trent Baalke said it uh, or maybe Doug Peterson said it you know do you like Trevor and I, I think everybody here likes Trevor I think that he wants to be protected um, and I think that's sliding in a guy like Walker Little at right tackle which he's never played in a game really um, and then also moving on and, and, and making sure that Cam Robinson comes back healthy, which, I mean, as of the wild card game, he was soaring crutches. And, you know, I, I don't know his status. I don't know how you know, quickly his, his re recovery has gone. Um, but I think that that is something to think about where 
you want to have stability at that position. You look at the Bengals and to, and see, you know, their offensive line play, and once a guy goes down, all of a sudden Joe Burrow is getting sacked four times in the first quarter, I believe it was. Um, then again, they shoved it right down Buffalo's yeah. throat with that same offensive line the week before. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. They 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 did, but you just know, to be it, fair, it's it's just a it's just a, a a a situation where you do want as much depth as possible. And while Trevor is is not being paid the five hundred million dollar deal or whatever it's going to be, mm-hmm. um, you kind of want to just invest around him. And I think that that's a solid plan to do so. So do they have right now? They're roughly thirty two million over the cap, mm-hmm. right? Uh, is Taylor a higher priority to you than Evan Ingram is? Yeah, I I think so, and and maybe that's a shock to say. Um, but you know he's an offensive lineman that's more of a premium position to me. Uh, than a tight end. Not to say that Evan Ingram shouldn't be a priority, but I would say that uh, Jawan should be a priority over him um, if you can choose between the two, just because you have that stability at the right tackle position. Um, but but obviously, you know, you're going to want to bring in Evan. Obviously, in, in, in the case of re-signing either of these guys, they're going to have to make some moves. I mean, they're going to have to make some moves regardless um, before the, the the new league year opens, I think March 15th. So, it's it's going to be tricky a little bit um, when it comes down to it, but really, I mean, everybody does this. The Saints do it all the time. Not to say you want to follow that model exactly, but um, there's teams that are able to play around with this enough. You can get under. I agree with you. You can get and the because the Jags have not been a team that's had to do this multiple years in a row, at least recently, right? Mm-hmm. So you can do it, but ultimately there is some toll to it. Like we can sit there and go, you know what? We can move on from Shaq Griffin. We can save a big chunk against the salary cap. That's great, mm-hmm. right? But then you start getting it. Oh, we can move on from, well, do we want to move on from Rayshon Jenkins? Do we want to move on from Roy Robertson sure. Harris? Now, you yeah. can restructure some of these deals as well. But ultimately, you're going to have to pay the price somewhere. Like, if you're investing that $15 million in, let's say it's $15 million. It doesn't have to be that number on the salary cap in the first year of his deal. But whatever it is, you're adding that. To the $32 million that you're currently over the projected cap right now. So there is some work still to be done. Absolutely. I mean, you know, you're, you're, you're going to have to do something. That it's it's not as simple as cutting these guys because you're right. You're not going to cut uh, Rayshon Jenkins, which is something that, you know, we were talking about probably before the season. You know, Probably this... most people expected it would right, happen. Right. Ex- exactly. And then Roy Robertson-Harris kind of, I mean, honestly, throughout maybe the first 12 games of the season, you were kind of expecting that to happen where Roy won't be back. But now, uh, given how he played over the last, you know, seven games or so or six games, it seems like he should be brought back. So, Why do you think he played so much better in that stretch? I I think it was a combination. So I, I feel like you saw better defensive line play down the stretch because they got a little bit more simple. They went in more... Uh, base front, and then you have you have guys like Trayvon, you have guys like Josh playing with their hand in the dirt, which is probably where they should be playing a little bit more often. So I think that you know it was a combination of of guys around him playing better, and then that allowed him to leak free. You know he's now one on one against a guy, he's not uh, double teamed or, or doing anything, and then maybe he just got better too. You know I, I don't know exactly the techniques that he's using or anything like that, but. Um, just in terms of having better play around him, I think that that's allowed him to succeed. I get nervous about the Jawan Taylor thing because I I do think the contract year, he was an okay player, but not a great player. Through the first three years of his career, I was curious to see what it was going to look like. He had the competition that he won, Mm -hmm. obviously, to be the right tackle for this football team this year. And I just look at, you mentioned 
right tackle, I think, is a more premium position than tight end overall, right? I, I do think it's a more premium position than tight end, but I don't think it's a position that you invest $15 million a year in. Right, like if you if you invest fifteen million a year in your right tackle, you're paying your right tackle top five money at his position. Uh, you're basically saying if they had a franchise tag at right tackle, we think he's worth being a franchise right tackle. Right, that's essentially what you're saying. And when you have another guy on the roster that is so affordable for the next two years and has been good when he's played through the first two seasons of his career, and there's no other clear pathway for him to play than for you to let one of your tackles go, right, to either trade Cam Robinson or let Juwan Taylor walk and see if he can get $15 million a year uh, from somebody. But I think you have a player on the roster. They're not that set at many spots, right? But they are at least that set at offensive tackle right now. I've, I've said for the past few weeks, I think you offer Juwan Taylor something in the neighborhood of $12 million a year is what I would be comfortable doing. And if he said, no, I'm going to need more, I'd say, okay, go see what you can see. And if you want to come back to us, the offer's on the table, right? We'll make it work for this number. If you want to go see what you're going to get in free agency, that's all right. And if Walker Little is my starting right tackle and I got to figure out a swing, I'm 100% comfortable with that. I don't know that the team is going to go that direction. I, I get the sense more and more that you're probably right about what the team wants to do, and they're making Jawan Taylor a priority I wouldn't prioritize it the same way they are. Yeah, it it's it depends on on how you view not only Walker Little at right tackle, but also Cam Robinson. Can is he going to come back from that knee injury? Which you know at the time they said it was a um, meniscus. I, I don't know if there was any other damage. Or right, they like that. just said meniscus. Right. Like how <laughs> damaged was the meniscus? Yeah. We have no idea. We, 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 have, we have no clue. Yeah. We have no clue. And 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 I think that. Um, Given that uncertainty, it, it it makes sense to me at least that you're you're trying to figure out. All right, well, we have Cam Robinson that's coming back. Maybe he's going to be back by training camp. They don't. They haven't said we're going to get more word later. I guess. Um, you know, you have Walker Little who's never played right tackle. Yeah, he did during training camp. Uh, he might have played a few snaps this season when Jawan went out that one time. But other than that, he hasn't really played that position. I know that. Everyone wants to just move guys around and, you know, you move this guy to guard, move this guy to right tackle. But it, I feel like it's not as simple as that where you don't know for sure if this guy is going to be good. You know that Jawan played well in this system last year. You know that Walker Little played well at left tackle just in case Cam Robinson can't go. And you got to think, Cam Robinson, he was only signed to a three-year deal. After this season, it's pretty easy to move on from him. All right, so that brings up the other scenario. I'm not saying you'd get much for him because of the expense of those two years, but if someone felt, you know, maybe you're go along and it's not prior to the draft or anything. So, you know, that salary cap money is cooked in at the moment. But the idea of playing Walker Little left tackle, we saw him play pretty well down the stretch, right? So you'd be fine if Walker Little was your left tackle. And maybe you'd have to be anyway, opening up the season, right? But so let's say you had Walker Little left tackle, you re signed Juwan for whatever the number is, thirteen and a half million on average a year, which is less than what you're paying Cam right now, would you trade Cam knowing if you designate him as a post-June 1st trade, you can split a $10 million cap hit over two years. So it's you drop your cap number for him way down mm -hmm. this year. I would consider taking anything from anybody to, to roll that off the books and going with a more youthful guy, transferring the money from an injured player 
to a healthy young player in Jawan Taylor. Uh, yes, your swing tackle is going to be uh, yet to be determined and maybe an unproven guy, but you can't have everything in the National Football League either. You know, so is is that an outrageous um, thing to think they'd even consider something like that? I don't think it's outrageous at all. I think that it's a situation where they probably envisioned that this was a possibility where Cam won't be here beyond his three-year deal. I mean, there's a reason why they didn't sign him to a big five-year contract. Mm -hmm. I know that players nowadays are trying to look for those three-year shorter-term deals anyway, Um, but I think that they had the vision before when they drafted Walker Little of, hey, if, you know, Jawan doesn't work out because he honestly wasn't playing that well through the first three years of his contract, or if Cam doesn't work out in terms of, you know, we just franchise tagged him, is he going to re-sign? that we're going to have this guy to be able to come in and play either position. I think that that was their thought process. Um, so for, for for Cam, I think that you're going to be able to have a situation if a team is willing to give up maybe a fifth-round pick or something to take on all of that um, cap space, which I, I think would be you know $10 million plus however much his base salary is or, or something like that. Um, if you go year. to over the cap, I think over the cap splits, it, it basically – Knocks it down to where if you trade him and it's post June first, you're taking five million this year, five million next year yeah. is what the cap hit ends up being. Now, again, you're not getting fifth round pick. You might not even get that right because yeah. somebody's taking on a big salary and a bit of a risk. You know, now I would presume they're not going to trade for Cam Robinson until he gets healthy anyway. But the reason the Jags would do this is not for the trade compensation that's coming back. It's just for the salary cap relief yeah. at yeah. that point. Absolutely, yeah. That, that that would be the the only reason to trade him because otherwise, I mean, what is a fifth round pick anyway? Right, <laughs> I'm with you. It's not like I'm saying you're going to get fair value on that mm-hmm. fifth round pick of Snoop Connor. Yeah, well, oh, right. So you know, uh, wish the best for you, Snoop, in year two. But really, wouldn't know if we've seen it or not at this point in time because we haven't seen you a whole lot. All right. So bottom line it for us: Do you think Juwan Taylor is a member of the Jaguars uh, going for? Will he get a, a deal worked out with the Jags this off season? I think so. I think there's enough motivation between both sides. I think he likes the team. I, I know I know he likes the team. I know he wants to be here. Um, it's only a couple hours away from his home, and I think that there's motivation from the Jags side to get it done. So. Isn't it nice that like guys hit free agency now and are not going, oh, my God, I can get out of there. Yeah. And it's like, hey, can I find a way to make this work and come back because we might have something special building. So let's close the book on the offensive line for now, unless you want to talk about the interior of the offensive line a little bit later on. But uh, we'll come back, get your thoughts about the weapons around Trevor Lawrence. That includes the potential of re-signing Evan Ingram, Calvin Ridley, uh, presuming he gets reinstated, what they might do in terms of draft capital or anything else uh, to work out some pieces around number 16 and maximize his potential in 2023 and beyond. We got Demetrius Harvey of the Florida Times Union here with us. If you want to get in, 641-1010. I got a bunch of questions for you on social media and the text line as well that will fire at you throughout the course of the next hour and a half. But you're listening to Jaguars today on 1010XL 92.5 FM. Everything you need to know about the Jags. Jaguars today on 1010XL. I got a lot of things I want to get to with Demetrius Harvey of the Florida Times Union here, one of the best on the Jaguars beat out there. And Demetrius is in studio with us right up until noon today on Jaguars Today. Tom McManus will help us close out the week tomorrow, previewing Super Bowl 57. But right now we're reviewing the 2022 Jaguars season and looking ahead to the offseason stretch out in front of us. Demetrius, uh, six days from now, Calvin Ridley can first apply for reinstatement. I have yet to find anyone who thinks he will not be 
reinstated. So uh, let's presume he is. Okay. Um, how confident are you that we're going to get the player that Calvin Ridley was prior to 2021 when he was a 1,300-yard guy? As you well know, and reminding the audience that not only was it a suspension for a year, but he only played five games the previous year because you know he had talked about wanting to step away for mental health reasons. His love of the game was questioned at that point in time. He seems to be fully on board, but what do you think the Jags are getting if Calvin Ridley's reinstated? Yeah, it, it's tough to say. I mean, we've seen these guys come back from suspensions. Uh, Josh Gordon is 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 one of the guys that I think of when I think of the suspensions. Well, he- I, we, I said the other day, I, I was chasing – those uh, that sixteen hundred yard season for a number of years in fantasy. Trust me, <laughs> everyone was, everyone was. I remember you know drafting Josh Gordon. Like, all right, this is the year. This is you know, right. Get him on the cheap back. dynasty because he's coming back, Tony. <laughs> yeah. Woo! yeah. So you know, it, there's there's those you know um, extreme e- e- examples like that. Um, but you know, Calvin Ridley from from everything I've seen and, and kind of heard. I haven't heard too much, honestly, personally. Um, but you know, everything I've seen is that he seems to be, you know, fully locked in. He's obviously very active on social media. He's liking all the tweets. He's replying to guys. He's talking about how excited he is to play. So I think that at least from the, you know, love of the game portion, I think that he's going to be locked in. Um, it's really just a matter of, you know, how rusty is he? How, how, how long is it going to take for him to get back up to speed, to learn a new offense, to do all this, you know, to, to gel with Trevor, uh, when does that step grow? But I, I, I think, you know, at, at this point, it's tough to say how exactly he's going to come back. But I, I really do feel strongly that if there's any coach or any coaching staff that's going to get him um, too, you know, close to that point, it's probably this Doug Peterson offense, which he uses guys in a variety of ways to exploit their their strength. So I think that that's sort of what you can look at as a positive is, you have Doug Peterson, you have this offense, you have Trevor Lawrence, so I think that Calvin Ridley should be able to come in and do something. And be an upgrade, you would hope, at, at a minimum over Marvin Jones Jr. Yes. at this relative stage of each of their careers. Marvin Jones was a solid player for the Jags for the last couple of years, not knocking his contributions, but Calvin Ridley, you feel, has more high-end potential uh, going forward here. So, all right, let's just take the guys who are on the roster or were on the roster right now. Evan Ingram, to me, like Tony and I, we would not let him walk out. I'm The $11 million franchise tag, I think, is well worth the contribution that he gave last year if you can't get something worked out long term. Same question I asked you with Jawan Taylor before the break. How confident are you that Evan Ingram is a member of the Jaguars in 2023 and going forward? I'm pretty confident about that one. I mean – um, I, I, I think that Evan obviously really wants back. You saw how emotional he got after that last game against the Chiefs. Um, he means it. You know, this is the first year um, of his career in, 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 in quite some time where he felt he belonged. He felt like, you know, the, the locker room was, was a family. He really enjoyed his time here in Jacksonville in, in the first year that he was here. You know, Doug Peterson's able to use him in a variety of ways. Um, he wasn't used to that. He wasn't used to having all this other talent around him. Um, I, I think that this was a situation that was ideal for Evan for the one-year contract. And I think that, you know, the, 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 the team loves him. The team knows what kind of guy he is in the locker room. There's sometimes you have to take um, you have to take chances on guys. I think that they took a chance on Evan, and, 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 and it paid off. I, I think that this is a high priority for them. Uh, I don't see why – he wouldn't come back because, like you said, that $11 million, it's not that much in terms of what value he brings. 
he was only making, I think, one or two million dollars less than that. So why not resign him? Yeah, I think the tight end position is a weird one. Mm-hmm. You know, even from an NFL perspective overall, I think it's we've been interacting with fans for years that are like, they got to get tight end fixed, got to get that fixed, right? And it's well, you can fix it different ways. There's there's only one Kelsey, and there's only one Kittle. And there's only one Andrews, and it looks like Hawkinson. So you're saying there's three of those guys, right? Then. But they're all different guys, and they all play the position very different from one another. On top of that, right? Like they're not all exactly the same kind of guy. There aren't many tight ends that can change a game for you, and I don't think Evan Ingram is necessarily that, right? But I think he fits what Doug Peterson wants to do in his offense with whatever tight end's going to be here to be featured very well, and he showed that last year. Do I think that's worth franchise tagging him if you can't figure out a long-term deal? 100% I do, right? But if 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 he's going to really buck at getting the franchise tag, it's not the sense I get because of all the things you just talked about. I think if that's where it wound up, he'd be like, all right, we'll do it one more year, and then I'm going to get paid. Or it extends the deadline for us to figure out a long-term deal. I can understand him feeling, you know, I did this for a year already. Why are we doing this again? Mm -hmm. Like, I can understand frustration from his side if that's where it winds up. But if I'm the Jags, no chance. I'm letting him just walk out the door. Not when I can hold on to him that easily at that manageable a number on a franchise tag. Even if I don't think the tight end position should be super valued in the league, I think Ingram is certainly a top 10 Mm -hmm. tight end at this point. Receiving tight end. Receiving tight end in the NFL at this point. He was top five in all the metrics last year, Mm -hmm. uh, basically among tight ends in the league. So I think he's worth that kind of money if that's what it takes to keep him around for a year. But I wouldn't do much else. You know, at tight end, you 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 bring another guy in, some veteran guy that will fill out that room, essentially. Maybe you bring Manhurts back if you can figure out a cheap way to do it, that kind of thing, because you got to do something in the tight end room. But I'm not investing big money outside of Evan Ingram, big draft capital outside of Evan Ingram, unless I feel like it's a great value in the draft at 24. Yeah, I mean, he... It, it 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 wouldn't make much sense if, if they did re-sign him and then to go into the draft and draft a guy maybe in the top of the second round or I guess not the top anymore, uh, the bottom of the second round. In, in, <laughs> the in, mid to back end yeah. of the second round. Right. Yes. You know, it's a little different around here nowadays. But, um, but yeah, it, it, it wouldn't make sense to go in and bring in another guy. And, and Evan was highly thought of by the players around the league. You know, I don't know if you guys saw the NFLPA all-pro list. You know, he was the – fifth best among tight ends. I think that that, you know, was probably accurate. It's fair, yeah. He he was a guy who was top five in those metrics. I I think that um, his value to the team just is beyond the offense, beyond on the field. I think that he was a fantastic locker room guy. His work ethic was, was incredible. You know, he was the first guy on the field before every game. He was the last guy off the field after every practice that we were able to see in training camp and things like that. I'm assuming it, you know, stayed the same. Uh, you know, so he's he's one of those guys where you just want him on the team in any way possible. And and like I've been saying, before you extend Trevor and do all this kind of stuff, you have the space, you have the 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 the, the money, the cash in order to do this. You have the the will to do this. It's interesting because in a lot of years you would look at this draft class, right? For instance, I'm looking at Lance Zerline's first mock draft came out yesterday at NFL.com, right? Has the Jags taken Dalton Kincaid, the Utah tight end, uh, at pick 24, and it acknowledges might not even be available there, but there are 
you know, whether it's Michael Mayer, uh, Musgrove, or Mus- is it Musgrave, or Luke Musgrave, Musgrave right, from yeah. uh, Oregon, whomever it is, there are a lot of highly touted tight ends in this class. Um, do you, does that factor into the Jags equation? Like, I'm with you, They're, the intangibles with Evan Ingram are off the charts, right? And to me, I want to use that pick on adding another piece if I've got this guy who's such a perfect fit for what we want to do, who's still in the prime of his career. His best years can still be in front of him. That, I I mean, a lot of years you'd look at and say, well, you got to get cheaper, you got to save money somewhere. I don't feel like that should be the case here with Evan Ingram. No, it, it, it shouldn't. And there is some, you know, degree of, you know, do they draft a tight end in the third round or something? Sure, or, or, all right. That's one thing. Yeah, right. Because, you know, you are having a situation where Evan's pretty much your only guy at that receiving tight end position. Um, Manhurts is is up. Are you going to resign him? He's a blocking tight end. I think they should. Um, you know, Luke Farrell is there. He's a more of a blocking tight end as well. And um, Dan Arnold is up. He's not I, – yep. I don't expect him to come back. So – um, if that's the case, then yeah, they're going to have to get a backup option and they're going to have to figure it out. I don't think they necessarily have to go high, though. All right, let's say they get a deal that they can live with because they're going to have to live with, uh, you know, again, you could structure, ex- you know, multi year extensions so that the cap hit is not so massive in the first year, right? So you get Jawan Taylor uh, back, your offensive line is basically set, right? You get Evan Ingram back in the fold, you anticipate Calvin Ridley is going to get reinstated. So you're hoping that you've upgraded your wide receiver core. Now you got Ridley and Kirk and Zay Jones, or should I say Kirk and Ridley and Zay Jones, mm-hmm. lest Christian uh, get offended <laughs> by the order in which I announced those players. So question we asked the other day, and, and this is more, you know, a kind of a, a hypothetical, but it, it's been floating around the idea that Cincinnati could opt to trade T Higgins if they can't agree to a deal with him. Uh, we ran a poll the other day, and the polls are, you know, worth what they're worth, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, we had, like, over 1,000 people vote, but 51% of the people said they'd be willing to give up the 24th pick in the draft, knowing you're going to have to give T. Higgins a long-term extension. Could you imagine an offense with Kirk and Ridley and Higgins, Zay Jones as your fourth, Evan Ingram, Travis Etienne, with a solid offensive line in front of them, uh, I mean, I don't think you can fix every problem you have on defense this offseason, Demetrius. I don't mind the idea of outscoring teams every single week if necessary. Is, is this just a complete pipe dream, or where would you fall on this? I, the, the options were yes, let's go all in, right? And that's where 51% voted. Mm-hmm. Uh, the two options for no were it's too high a pick. In other words, maybe i do it, but I'm not doing it for a first-round pick and giving him that contract. Or do you just not think T. Higgins is worth that kind of money? Where would you fall on any of that? I think he's worth the money. I I don't know necessarily if he's some you know top five you know number one wide receiver. Um, but I I think I, I I would make that move if it's possible. I know we talk about the cap and we say it, you, you can do everything, but at that point you're trading. Now you're investing in a first-round pick. Um, however much, you know, keep in mind T Higgins cap number this year right now Mm -hmm. is $2.9 million for 2023. So now an extension, again, you can structure an extension. So it, it, it's you or doesn't hit you in any given year. Yeah. You, you, you could, I mean, you can make it work. Uh, but 
you know, it, you, if you think beyond a couple years from now, I don't guess. Don't be nice to the host now. If you think this is a stupid <laughs> idea, you need to say this is a stupid I, idea and you're going to wreck the cap. Yeah, I, I guess if, if, if you think about it beyond a couple, you know, beyond this, this coming season, you've made that trade, you've extended him or you've given him new money. Um, and his cap cap hit this year is still low, so you, so you could do it. But then now in 2024, you're sitting there with however much money invested in not only Christian Kirk and now in T. Higgins, but also what are you doing with Calvin Ridley? Is now Calvin Ridley, um, are you going to give him that extension? What if he's not the player he was two, it, it, two years ago, you know? And if he's not, he's not. But, you know, if, if you – He's not. You got T. Higgins it, and Christian it, Kirk. Now you have T. Higgins. Now you have T. Higgins. <laughs> now you could also go into the realm of – Hey, you know the 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 Bengals might just let him play on the last year of his contract. Maybe they aren't going to extend him. Go after him in free agency. Go after him in free agency. Yeah. Why not? Why not wait on that? I don't think that's a move where it's like you have to do this. Let me ask you this: Beyond, if T. Higgins were the same exact player, but he had played for Baylor instead of Clemson, does that make it? less attractive. I mean, Tony brought up 30 games for Trevor Lawrence. He got 25 freaking touchdowns in 30 yeah. games. Yeah. You know, I I gotta believe there'd be some rekindling of that chemistry, you know? Absolutely. No, it, it, I guess it is different. I, I haven't really thought about the Trevor Lawrence and T. Higgins connection. Obviously, that's, that, you know, that's real. Um, but, you know, if maybe from a different perspective of, hey, you know, this is, our, this is the guy that Trevor liked the most at Clemson or it seemed like he did because of how much he threw the ball to him, um, that might entice you a little bit more because you're like, okay, maybe this is you know the connection that we've dreamed of. Now all of a sudden, like you said, you have uh, Christian Kirk in the slot, you have Calvin Ridley outside, you have T. Higgins outside. Your wide receiver core is set. Best, you'd have the best set of skill players in the National Football League. I really yeah. believe that. You know, now how long you could keep it together? And again, uh, as we said the other day, Tony, don't think this is anywhere no, near a likelihood, but yeah. uh, it's a question of, of off-season hypotheticals. So, all right, <laughs> let's go to the phones uh, and uh, see what is on the mind of the Jaguars today. Listeners at 641-1010, Daniel in Stewart, Florida, going to lead us off here with Demetrius Harvey of the Florida Times-Union. Good morning, Daniel. Hey, guys. I love the show. Demetrius, I just want to ask you, Trayvon Walker, I feel like uh, it's just, I don't know. This show does not give him a pass. I feel like he gets a pass sometimes, just like it's a just an accepted thing that he has to learn how to pass rush, even though he was the first overall pick, which is ridiculous. Right now, just as a hypothetical, if you could trade for Aiden Hutchinson straight up, would you trade for Aiden Hutchinson? Uh, no, I, I, I honestly wouldn't. And um, that's not a, really a knock against Aiden Hutchinson. I just don't think that he does as much as what Trayvon Walker does. I think I think you have, you have to sit sit there and and I know people. I know you said that there's a, a pass given to Trayvon, but I don't think there really has been. You know, the pass rush people have talked about it a lot. Three and a half sacks. People are pretty upset about it. They were throughout the entire season calling him a bust. Um, but what what he's been able to do against the run, and we saw that against the Titans, which. In my opinion, if they didn't have Trayvon Walker play the way he did, they could have easily lost that game, easily. Um, and so I, I think that he provides a lot more to the table in terms of that than Aiden Hutchinson does. I don't think that I would go back and, and do it any any different than they have. What about for Sauce maybe Gardner? Maybe Sauce Gardner, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe Sauce Gardner. But, but you know, if, if you're going to have to take a pass rusher, I think that you know uh, Trayvon Walker was a guy um, I think they needed. If they didn't have him – um, all of a sudden, you're playing Arden Key, Dewan Smoot, depending on how healthy he he would have been. Oh, you're playing Aiden Hutchinson, yeah. is, you know. Well, unless you went the sauce route, right? If if, if you go to the sauce route, it, it's. 
I, I just still feel like he's a guy that has a lot more potential than what he showed. And so I, you know, at this point, I'm not ready to say, yeah, trade for Aiden Hutchinson instead, or you know, go back. I'll say pass. Aiden Hutchinson one round one convincingly. Yeah, to me. I and, mean, and I think it's interesting, Demetrius, the way that you you talked about specifically the Titans game, right? And when the Jaguars did what they did in the draft this year where they're drafting all the linebackers. They're all coming to Jacksonville, right? They draft two middle linebackers. They draft Trayvon Walker, who the moment he stepped in the door, he's stand-up linebacker. He's playing on the edge, right, for this football team. And we said they better have bet right that playing in a division where you got to play the Titans and Derrick Henry twice a year, where you got to play the Colts and Jonathan Taylor twice a year, that that kind of pick pays big dividends in those kind of moments. And it is interesting because now you're having to balance how much it pays off to have a guy like Walker when you're playing the Titans of the world and how much it doesn't help you when you're playing the Chiefs and the Bengals and these teams that you're going to have to beat to win the big prize as opposed to the divisional prize, which I think they were in a better position maybe to win the South Mm -hmm. because they had a guy like Walker, but they're not necessarily in a better position to win the AFC having Walker instead of Aiden Hutchinson. I agree with that. I mean, you 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 see what Aiden was able to do nine and a half sacks. I think he had three interceptions, which is uh, pretty good. Two fumble for, recoveries. Two fumble recoveries. I mean, he had a solid. He had a pretty good season, especially for a, a first round pick. Uh, you know, you don't really see those type of years. I think we even talked about Tony um, before the season. How many of those first overall picks even had you know certain you know uh, uh, sack numbers? Uh, you know, I think that the the highest was. Uh, who was it? It, 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 it might have been the the former Titans guy. I can't or Texans guy. I can't remember his name. Oh, Mario, Mario Williams. Williams. It might have been him. I Mario think it Williams had, went seven. It, it, like yeah. no, he was. I think he was like five and a half yeah. his I first year. Who it was. Then he jumped yeah. up to like fourteen his second year. Right. Well, the, yeah. The the, the 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 point is, you know, it, it it was a really good season for Aiden. I think you're right in that. Um, you do want that pass rush over a guy who can stop the run really well, or over a guy who can set the edge. Um, but at the same time, I don't necessarily think that it's over for Trayvon Walker. I think that that's what I keep pointing back to or coming back to is that play him inside, play him, you know, in a down front, which is what they did over the last few games of the season, um, and see what he can do. I think they made a mistake having him stand up, dropping in coverage and doing all that. See, kind that's of stuff. an issue though, man, because they yeah. had the whole off season up to the draft to evaluate how they were going to use him and, Clearly, that didn't seem to be the best usage of him, and and or at least it didn't unlock this great potential. That I, I'm not saying Trayvon Walker doesn't have great potential, but I want great production, right? And Mario Williams, I just looked four and a half sacks, so only one more than Trayvon had. Mm-hmm. So if Trayvon adds nine and a half, like Williams did, go from year one to year two, I'll shut my damn mouth, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> but he, I mean, he went from four and a half to 14, 12, and nine the next three years, so. I mean, it can happen, but I haven't seen those indications at this point that it's going to. We'll see. You know, I mean, they're pot committed now, and I think it's hard to deny that Aiden Hutchinson had a more productive rookie season. That doesn't mean he'll have a more productive career, but right now I've got him in the lead at least for the moment. All right, we got to take a timeout. By the way, happy birthday to Jaguar legend uh, Jimmy Smith, 54 years Young today, uh, Jay Smooth, wherever you are. Hope you're celebrating and have a great day. And uh, we'll come back with more of your calls at 641-1010. So if you're on the line, stay right there. You're listening to Jaguars today. Special guest Demetrius Harvey in studio here with us on 1010XL and 92.5 FM. Right? In in 
the South race, but maybe not more likely than an Aiden Hutchinson would to beat the yeah. Chiefs or the Bengals or one of these other teams that we're talking about here. I think it's a great question, Demetrius. I think my list and probably most lists start with more pass rush, don't you think? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you you saw what happened to Joe Burrow um, against the Chiefs. I think that the Chiefs were able to get after him, and, and that sort of was what you know turned the tide, in, at least in the first half of that game. Um, and it's something that the Jaguars struggled with against the Chiefs, especially it was kind of weird. You know, uh, Patrick Mahomes goes down. All of a sudden, they can't get after him. They were him, getting right? pressure on him like crazy the first couple drives of the game. Yeah, I, I was I was looking at it, you know, from the press box. I'm like, what's going on? What's different now? You know, Patrick Mahomes cannot move. Like, you're, you're watching him on the sideline. He's barely able to walk. Like, I, I couldn't imagine him getting away. I thought the game – I thought the Jaguars were going to win that game. But anyway, um, yeah, pass rush is, is something that you definitely want. Um, coverage corners, you know, having a guy like Tyson Campbell obviously is going to help. Uh, you know, going after a guy in the draft potentially is, is something. But, yeah, you're right. I think that pass rush, you know, coverage, that's pretty much where you need your guys to play well against these teams like the Chiefs, like the Bills, like the Bengals. And I think that that is sort of how you should be building your team because I think that if you have that and you have the quarterback, against these teams like the Colts, the Titans, and the Texans, you're going to win the AFC South. I, it's I really the Peyton believe Manning that. formula. Yeah, I, I don't think that you need to have a guy to stop the run. Oh, you, you know, you're able to stop the run, but, you know, can you pass the football? Well, part of the Peyton Manning formula, Tony, too, was make sure you got a great array of weapons around him. I yeah. think you have to be able to score with the best teams in the league in, mm-hmm. in today's AFC right now. And not every game played out that way in the postseason, but – Generally, you're probably going to have one of those shootout games along the road to getting to the Super Bowl sure. if you're fortunate enough to advance. So I do think maintaining the weapons they have, adding to them, that's why the T. Higgins thing is intriguing to me. I'm not saying, again, that it's likely to happen, but I think you've got to be able to throw blows offensively with those teams. Yeah, I think the combination of a still-progressing Trevor Lawrence with Doug Peterson, whatever this offense is going to be going into year two and beyond, uh, with those two guys together, I think they can score with most teams in the league, even with the weapons they had. That doesn't mean that you don't address, you know, adding to those those groups at wide receiver especially, right? If you can add a top end of the depth chart guy, and hopefully they are in Calvin Ridley here in a week or so, then I think that can only help you. But I think the thing this team is missing is that when offenses are putting together a game plan, we got to figure out what to do with this guy, right? And Jacksonville doesn't have one of those not anywhere on the defense where we have to be aware of this guy because they just don't have anybody that dominates their pass rush reps inside or outside. And I love Josh Allen, and I think that he loves Jacksonville. And I would love to see him turn into that kind of player, but we've been waiting four years now for him to turn into that kind of player. It hasn't happened yet. He's, it's pretty clear at this point in his career he needs help, right? If he's going to be the guy that's going to be the double-digit sack guy consistently, he needs help. On that defensive line, I think if you're going to beat the Chiefs and the Bills and those kinds of guys, you need a guy on defense that can take over a football game any given week. And I don't think the Jags have that on defense right now. Absolutely not. I mean, they they, they really don't, and you saw that all season. They didn't have a guy who, you know, all of a sudden he's taking over a game. And I think that that's something they've missed, I mean, you know, since Calais Campbell or, you know, since – Unique in Gawkwe where he's getting those strip sacks. I they, they don't have that guy who hey, that guy's a free agent. Unique and Gawkwe. Yeah, well there, there you go. Um, it's it, it's get it, Tony Khan on the phone right now. <laughs> I'm sure that'll go over well. But um, but.
but yeah, they, they, they need that, that, that one player. And I know it's funny because we just had this conversation about Trayvon Walker. If you're taking him number one overall, that should be your player, right? You're betting uh, that he's going to be that kind of he, guy. He yeah. should be that home wrecker. Um, but you know, right now he's not. So right now we're talking about, you know, Hey, you know, is Josh Allen going to even be here beyond the season? You know, is Trayvon Walker going to be the guy that you think? Um, and so they're still in that same boat. I kind of like the the nickname, the home record. The home record. <laughs> That's pretty good. Like if he if he becomes a double digit sack guy, we'll give Demetrius credit for that. But I'm <laughs> definitely going to start calling him the home record uh-huh. if he has like three sacks in the opening month of the season, something sure. like that. Uh, six four one ten ten. Let's get fan cam up next here with Demetrius Harvey. Good morning, John. How are you? Good morning, guys. I love the uh, home record thing. That's a really good call there, and I think that might just play out uh, here shortly. I just wanted to give Demetrius props for a great job covering the Jags this last year and uh, just wish him the best moving forward as the uh, probably the next few years are going to be some of the funnest of his life in uh, in sports coverage. So well done, Demetrius, and welcome to the epicenter of all Jaguars conversation in the world. Oh, boy, here we go. Uh, <laughs> thank you, Cam. Appreciate it. But I think everyone – uh, knows you've done a great job covering the team. That's why you got the opportunity at the Florida Times Union. And it's not like you were going to get there and all of a sudden stop doing a good job covering the team. So great job, Demetrius. I appreciate that. You know, I try, I try my best. So uh, you do a great, you really do do a, a really good job. That's why we have you and your boy John Shipley in as frequently as we do uh, in the off season. We have time to stretch things out. So let's get into uh, some interest from around the National Football League on a couple of members of the Jaguars coaching staff and see uh, through the eyes of Demetrius Harvey what that might mean for this franchise going forward. Six four one ten ten. If you want to get in and continue the conversation conversation that's the easiest way to do it you're listening to jaguars today on 1010xl and 92.5 fm jaguars today on 1010xl 92.5 fm all right we have demetrius harvey here with us uh talking about the uh, joys and travails of covering the National Football League, and uh, particularly your Jacksonville Jaguars. Uh, and uh, we yesterday posted a tweet out there. If anybody had a specific question, they could feel free to reply to that tweet. So I got a few here for you, Demetrius. We'll go at you uh, from Cristiano. Uh, when the Jags go to the Super Bowl, will it be a must-win game? <laughs> what do you think? I think it will be. Yeah, something <laughs> tells me that would be a must-win game. Oh, my game. gosh. I, what, what's worse, man? I don't know. Is losing the Super Bowl worse than not getting to the Super Bowl? It may be. Like, you'd always say, I, you know what, let me go and find out because you think you're not going to lose, right? Mm-hmm. And I don't know, man. You get that close, and, and I'm sure it's better. You've advanced farther, yeah. you know. But, I, I mean, in terms of, like, what burns – is Phillip Rivers more empty than Dan Marino on that front? Like, Dan made it to the Super Bowl, didn't win it. Rivers never made it there, so he didn't have that ultimate – I was sure. – 60 minutes away from winning the whole thing. Like, I almost wonder if losing in one of the championship games is even worse. Worse than the losing or in the Super Bowl. Than not getting to a Super Bowl, right? Like, losing in a Super Bowl, you got there. And I think there's an accomplishment in, the, in that in itself. It's not the ultimate one. But I think you get to a, a championship game and you lose. It's so close. Like, like I almost got to play in a Super yeah. Bowl. Who knows? I mean, I'm sure they're both devastating, quite frankly, particularly if you don't have, you know, like, say, seven rings to fall back on or somebody like that. All right. Um, We kind of covered this one from Jed. What are the chances the Jags actually trade for T. Higgins? Um, Probably 
extremely low. I would say extremely low. Yeah. But uh, in my in my mind, uh, it'd be fun if they very did. high, <laughs> very high. Uh, all right, I don't. How into the draft and scouting the field of players are you at this point in time? Honestly, not not really at all. Okay, um, that's fair. You know, the, that's the why I'm asking. Just ended kind of. So. Right, like it's February. It's early February. Yeah. We got free agency to go through. I I totally understand that. That that's why I don't want to. You know, we've had some questions about give us some specific names to look for. How about this? Um, what if you don't think the Jags are going to be very active in free agency from other teams, mm-hmm. right? Um, let's say they bring back Juwan Taylor, they bring back Evan Ingram and Arden Key. Okay, they're those are their top three priorities in house. So they bring them all back, and that's the major heavy lifting that they do. They don't do much outside. Uh, in terms of bringing in players from other teams, what are your positional priorities heading into the draft? Yeah, I think cornerback's obvious. I mean, that's the one position, especially because Darius, um, he's probably going to be up. I think after this season, he has one year left, and he's getting up there in age. You're going to want to draft a guy to play inside. This and he's year. good, but not great. It, yeah, exactly. He's not anything. And we passed on Sauce, damn it. So, <laughs> you know, like, I, I was not banging the table for Sauce Gardner at number no. one. So yeah. don't get it wrong. But as you talked about, or we talked about earlier, sometimes you got to admit that maybe we could have done things differently. But all right, so corner, yeah. what else? Corner. And then I think. Um, it depends on how they feel about Ben Barch coming back, but you know, guard could be a sneaky option there because I know they want to get bigger up front. Tyler Shatley's not the biggest guy. They struggled in um, third, third down and one, fourth down and one situations. So you know, you want to get more, more beef up front, so to speak. I think that that would be a position to look at. Um, and then outside of that, yeah, I mean, you, you can go anywhere. Tight end, wide receiver again. What about D tackle? <laughs> I mean, it's. It, Yes, be, but you you don't really want to have to say that because of what you just paid Fadakasi last mm-hmm. year. Um, but yeah, I mean defensive tackle, absolutely. I think that that's something where you know you want to get more pass rush in the interior. Devon Hamilton's going to be a free agent. I think after maybe after this season or maybe after the next one. Either way, uh, you're going to have to upgrade that position soon. So. Isn't wouldn't everyone though like more pass rush from the interior of the defensive line? Yeah. Like it, it's not an easy thing to find necessarily. It's not. I mean, you don't see guys like Aaron Donald and Chris Jones all over the league. Um, but if you can get a guy who can give you five sacks a season, I mean, that's what you kind of hope for. What was Chris Jones? Like a fifth-round pick? Something like Wasn't that. He, uh, isn't yeah. it crazy? Like Aaron Donald's the top ten pick, mm-hmm. and the only question was, was he big enough to be like a top three pick, right? Yes. And, and you know, he was smaller than – Second round. Than Chris Jones was. Yeah. All right, but still, Chris yeah. Jones' second-round pick, right? Uh, Jeffrey Simmons fell – in the first round because he was coming off a torn yep. ACL, yep. right? So, you know, it's not easy to find these guys out there. There are a lot of uh, – I would say a lot. What about the idea, even beyond Arden Key, whether you bring him back or not, um, of going after another veteran-type short-term pass rusher? Like, you look at what Brandon Graham did this year for the Eagles, and I know he's been there forever, but mm-hmm. with help around him, he was a double-digit sack guy at, like, the age of 33, 34 years old. What about bringing in a guy like that kind of – I'm not saying him specifically, but a veteran, short-term guy who's proven that he can get to the quarterback. Yeah, I mean, there, there's there's some guys out there, I'm sure. I think Melvin Ingram, is that his name? He, he might be a guy. There, there are a, always a few, I think. Right. I, Justin Houston, for Justin instance. He, like, right. I'm not saying you have to break the bank with these guys, but Justin Houston, if you played him on third downs – 
and let him pass rush on on all third obvious passing situations, I bet he'd get you seven, eight sacks. Absolutely. And and if a guy like Khalil Mack comes free somehow, you know, he's somebody you would want to bring in. Um, I know he hasn't had his best seasons over the past couple, but it's a guy you, you just need that veteran sort of presence. You need the, the guy who can come in and get you a few sacks a season. Um, you don't need anybody who can – I mean, well, you do, but you don't need to necessarily go out and get a guy who can get you 15 sacks right away because those guys aren't on the market. Justin Houston had nine and a half sacks this mm-hmm. year. What is he? He's got to be like mid-30s now, right? Mm-hmm. Something like that. It just yeah. it seems like they're – and Arden Key was one of those guys. He was an effective pass rusher, not big numbers. You talk about the priorities of Taylor and Ingram. How big a priority do you think it is for the Jaguars to try and bring Arden Key back? I think it's less so, and it's not a necessarily a knock against Arden Key. I just feel like his production can be replaced. Um, he's a very versatile weapon for you. You know, he can play inside, he can play out. Um, but you know he he's not a guy who you're you're thinking oh if you lose him you know it's over because there were multiple games this season where he's on the field too and they're not getting pass mm-hmm. rush so it's not like he's somebody who can come in and change the game. Um, with that being said, he was a great um, locker room guy. He uh, did provide pass rush when needed at times. Uh, he's kind of like Dewan Smoot where you kind of re up him to a shorter term deal. You don't necessarily invest too much into him. Um, so I think that it, he he's a he's the type of player where if you get priced out, you don't go chasing him. You know. Yeah, Houston. Just, I'm fixated on him now. Yeah, three and a half million bucks, nine and a half sacks last year for the Ravens. That's mm-hmm. what I'm saying. Get a guy who's proven he can do it, even if he can't give you three downs worth of effective play anymore. We just want third down effective yeah. play. You know, well, out he of that only guy. played about half their defensive snaps. So you imagine if he had nine and a half sacks on the year that. I would guess at least six, seven of those were probably on third down. Probably so. Like, those are six or seven drives that you end, right? And the Jags' defense has to find a way to get off the field more than they were able to get off the field last year, and that's where pass rush comes in. They just don't have an effective enough pass rush to get their offense back out there. They can score with anybody. They just haven't been able to stop people as effectively as they need to. All right, let's uh, let's move on to this coaching staff uh, stuff, right? As Jim Bob Cooter has gotten a couple of knocks on his door to at least interview for offense coordinator landing spot in Miami. Uh, who else? Who's the other Carolina. team? Carolina is the other team that wanted to take a, a look. At anything? Have you heard beyond that that there was interest? It didn't seem like anything's progressed with him. No, I haven't heard anything about you know if if they're going to hire him or, or or what's happening in that situation. Um, but but it is a situation where I think the Jaguars are waiting. I think that they're trying to see if he is going to be hired away because they do have that wide receiver coach position uh, still open, and now they potentially can have that passing game coordinator position still open. Um, so, you know, if both of those positions are going to be open, then maybe they kind of shoehorn that into just one one sort of uh, position or one guy to do both of those positions. So we'll, we'll, we'll see what happens. I All guess. right, let's uh, hold that thought, and we'll get your thoughts on Press Taylor coming up here momentarily. First, Tony's going to take us around the league. Now, Gems Around the NFL, brought to you by Beaches Jewelry and Pawn in Jack's Beach. San Francisco quarterback Brock Purdy, who suffered a torn UCL in his throwing elbow during the first quarter of the NFC Championship game, has set a date for of February 22nd to undergo surgery to repair the injury. Purdy is expected to be available for the start of training camp, 
but is expected to miss the 49ers offseason. Washington head coach Ron Rivera said on Wednesday that quarterback Sam Howell will likely be the team's number one quarterback as they enter their offseason. Buffalo Bills safety DeMar Hamlin was awarded the NFLPA's Allen Page Community Award yesterday. He appeared on stage with his parents at the Phoenix Convention Center to accept the award. Kansas City defensive lineman Chris Jones told James Palmer of the NFL Network on Wednesday that he is dealing with a sore throat and congestion, but that he would be fine for the Super Bowl on Sunday. Hopefully whatever that is doesn't get too deep into the Kansas City locker room with the Super Bowl this weekend. And Philadelphia offensive tackle Lane Johnson, center Cam Jurgens, and cornerback Avante Maddox were limited in practice on Wednesday but aren't expected to be at any risk of missing the game on Sunday. Uh, you bring up Alan Page every time I hear the name. I think probably the greatest post NFL career, NFL player of all time, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, honestly, on the Minnesota Supreme Court, if you go to his wiki page, it says um, something like his professions were uh, attorney judge. Uh, that doesn't quite tell the whole story of Alan <laughs> Page right there. Uh, phenomenal, phenomenal life. But uh, regardless, uh, Demetrius Harvey here with us from the Florida Times Union. Press Taylor, story comes out, the Ravens request an interview, and uh, the Jaguars say, no, thank you. Uh, we would not like you to take our offensive coordinator away. Uh, I wasn't sure if they were able to block that, like if the move came with uh, play-calling duties, but uh, apparently they were obviously able to block that. Um, what do you think about their decision to do that, and how do you think Press Taylor feels about that? Yeah, I, I think it's a situation where if you're – pretty much a, a, a lateral move um, without any other ties, maybe like assistant head coach or mm -hmm. anything like that. I think that you can block it. Um, I think it was smart. It, it makes sense for Doug Peterson to block the move. I think he's done it in the past with the Eagles. Um, you know, it, it, it's a situation where you don't want to break this up, you know, already. Sure. You, you, you want to be able to keep the guy in. And I think that Preston did an outstanding job. I know that he doesn't call the plays, but he's the one – in the offensive film room, he's he's putting together everything. He's adding plays into the offensive packages. He's very close to Trevor Lawrence. Um, it's a situation where I think that they just knew that he had value beyond um, somebody they could just bring in. I think that at least for this year, which I think in the next couple of years, you're going to be hearing about him maybe getting head coaching nods. Um, well, so that's the thing. Go. And you, you hope that's the case because I think it, it can become difficult. Like, Doug Peterson had the previous relationship with Press Taylor, right? In fact, it, it was kind of their the Eagles' insistence on moving on from Press Taylor that Doug Peterson dug in his heels and said, no, we're not going to do that. And that was a big part of the reason that they split. But, you know, to hire a guy, to come in as an offense coordinator, when you know the head coach is primary play caller, look at Eric Bieniemy. Right, that's one of the things. Nobody knows exactly why Eric Bieniemy has not landed a head coaching job sure. after I believe interviewing with fifteen different teams around the National Football League in the last several years. But one of the things people point to is that Andy Reid is the primary play caller in Kansas City, and that's going to be something you look at. Okay, Press Taylor, what am I getting exactly? You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. But from the Jaguar standpoint, I, I mean we can't praise the idea enough in today's NFL of having a head coach who is the play caller, who is the architect of your offense, Demetrius, because all these other pieces can go and you don't want to have to replace them all immediately, but if you do, the system is Doug Peterson, right? I mean, ultimately. Yeah, no, it, it, that's right. I mean, if, if and when 
uh, Press Taylor does leave, it's not like all of a sudden the Jaguars' offense is just done for. Got, don't have to uh, start from scratch. Yeah, no, you don't. I mean, you have to bring in a new guy, um, and it might have new ideas, but honestly, that might you know end up being a better thing, where now you have fresh ideas on the table. Well, it might be Jim Bob or, Cooter, right? I mean, yeah, he's yeah. done it before. It could be something like could be Mike McCoy. You've got mm-hmm. some decent options in-house as well to go that route if you wanted to. Absolutely, and and you have – a situation where I think that Doug sort of planned this where, you know, he brought in like 10 different former quarterbacks, basically. Um, I'm exaggerating, obviously, but, you know, he he brought that in to surround Trevor Lawrence, and I don't think he necessarily wants it to be the case where, oh, man, now, you know, Jim Bob Cooter's gone, Press Taylor's gone. Now I have to replace Right, now guys. it's me and Mike McCoy, right. and what else do we have coming in? Right, and, but, you know, but at the, at, on, on the same token, I don't think it's that big of a deal. I don't think that if those two left, all of a sudden everything would fall apart. Right. The main thing is that the continuity will be there through the head coach, but be right. nice if they could keep the majority. Chris Jackson obviously taking the wide receiver's job. Have you heard anything on that front uh, or too early to tell? Uh, I, I think uh, David Coley is a guy and a name to watch for. I'm sure that's been said a lot already, but you know he's a guy that I've heard um, that the Jaguars would be interested in. Um, I don't know the timetable on that. Like I said, I think maybe they're waiting for the Jim Bob Cooter situation to play out, mm-hmm. and then the, they might reassess after that. But um, I think David Coley right now, for me, that's the one name that I've heard. Interesting, because I, I know he had a special teams background. Has he had a yeah, background he, specifically wide receivers as yeah, well? Yeah, he's coached wide receivers uh, 26 years. In the, wow. In the, yeah, he, okay. he was with Doug. For, for, a was times, he so. – before he got hired, though, in Houston, wasn't he um, – his primary, like his highest level as special teams coordinator, or am I wrong about that? I think that's wrong. You might be thinking of somebody else. Maybe I am thinking about somebody else. Yeah. I could be thinking about somebody else entirely, which is quite possible. All right, Demetrius Harvey's here to set me straight like he is to set all of you straight. We'll come back and look at today's Jaguars Today a question of the day presented by Chad and Sandy Real Estate on defensive uh, free agents from last year, a runaway in terms of who you thought was the best signing by the Jags, but you're certainly welcome to uh, factor in uh, the size of the contract as well as on and off the field contributions. You can vote there at MD underscore 1010XL on Twitter. Back with more with Demetrius Harvey of the Florida Times Union straight ahead here on 1010XL and 92.5 FM. All Jags, all NFL. Jaguars today on 1010XL. All right, that went fast today for the most part. So we're almost done with Demetrius Harvey of the Florida Times Union. Give Demetrius a follow on Twitter. You probably already do if you listen to this show. But at Demetrius82 is where you will find him uh, there. And uh, hopefully we'll have him in uh, more frequently throughout the offseason to talk about various Jaguars doings and uh, whether that's re-signing their own guys, bringing in a few new free agents, uh, obviously, they'll have some new uh, blood in coming for the NFL draft, and we're just sitting there on the break going, oh, it's it's weird, right? Like, people are like, uh, somebody called last week, would you draft uh, Keely Ringo at 24? Well, is he there? Like, I have no idea. Maybe, you know, or would the Jags take him? Maybe, you know, I mean, there, there are a lot of positions, I think, that we're more comfortable talking about than we are specific players because it's real. like somebody said, hey, should the Jags trade up for Joey Porter Jr., who's considered a really good corner out of Penn State, good size, great size, like 6'2", you know, 190-plus. Um, I don't know. It seems like a pretty good corner class. You know what I mean? I saw a proposed trade the other day, uh, Tony, what was it? They were giving up, like, their first-round pick, 
fourth round pick, something else mm -hmm. to move up like six spots or something and take a corner. And I'm yeah, like, maybe a second next year or something like yeah, that. It might yeah, might have been like, yeah. And they were getting a fourth back and they're yeah. giving up like uh, all this stuff to go up like six, eight spots. And not for me, man. And not, not for that. I don't think, you know, look, we're not talking about a guy, at least I don't think, like a sauce gardener who's going to come in and be arguably a top five guy right away in the National Football League. I don't know if that guy is in this draft for one thing. No, I don't, I don't, I don't know necessarily, and I don't think so. I mean, I feel like you would have already heard about that guy right. already. Um, but, yeah, I, th I think it's interesting, though, the past couple of years, you know, we were talking about just a couple guys, you know, Aiden Hutchinson, uh, Trayvon Walker, mm -hmm. or the tackles. The year before, Trevor Lawrence was the runaway. I know people – you know, because you need clicks and you need talks and everything. They were saying, you know, maybe Zach Wilson or whatever. That was it was never going to happen. Um, but this year, it's 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 wide open. You could go any. You know, plenty of positions are open. Plenty of needs are there. I mean, you can be do glad Chris Sims is not the general manager of your favorite football team. <laughs> My goodness, man. I mean, he ranked Zach Wilson above Trevor Lawrence coming out of uh, college two years ago. I, I, I that yeah. still boggles the mind. It's not like Trevor Lawrence had a, a great junior year had burst onto the national scene is like quite the opposite yeah. with Zach Wilson. Where was the article yesterday where they were talking about the different members that were privy to kind of the behind the scenes conversation with the Jets mm -hmm. when they wound up at number two instead of number one and that there were people in the room trying to convince themselves that yeah Zach is actually better than Trevor Lawrence and there were other people that were like what are we doing? <laughs> Right, like, right. Like, you don't have to like, lie to yourself. Right, we don't have to lie about it. We all know the difference between these two guys. We can accept that we're going to do the best we can, and the the best decision we can make with the number two pick. You were wrong about that too, but don't lie. Yeah, like you don't have to just sit there and pretend like reality isn't reality. Everyone who has any kind of brain would have taken Trevor Lawrence if they had the number one pick. And wouldn't or, even or thought traded, about it. Right. Or if they had a quarterback and they happened yeah. to own the number one pick, they would have traded it to for someone come to get Trevor Lawrence. For someone to come get Trevor Lawrence. Yeah. Exactly. All right. Uh, let's take a look at today's Chad and Sandy real estate question of the day. Who was the best defensive free agent signing by the Jags in 2022? Feel free to factor in the size of the contract as well as on and off the field contributions. ET, let's uh, use the 10 10 take here. 10-10-10. take. Now, Mike Dempsey's 10-10 take. Brought to you by Northern Tool. Start solving your projects today at northerntool.com. We're made for this. And I'm particularly surprised at the results of this right no. now. Uh, but, um, you know, we did this one for offense earlier in the week, Demetrius. By the way, uh, who's the best offensive free agent signing? Ridley, Ingram, uh, Sheriff, or Zay Jones, and factoring in, you know, cost to acquire in, in addition to productivity, who would you say was the best offensive signing? Yeah, I mean, I, I would say it was Christian Kirk. I mean, just because of what he was able to do, even even the costs, everything that's that's gone to it. I know that uh, Ingram was cheaper, but, I mean, I think that that was probably the best. Yeah, Ingram, Ingram won the poll by a percentage of one yeah. point. I mean, it was he like votes. basically a, a dead heat yeah. between – Ingram and Kirk, and I think they're they're clearly the best two. And uh, I mean, Kirk certainly didn't end up being overpaid no. when it was all said and done. Um, if Evan Ingram had signed a three-year deal, that might have been even more in his favor. There, mm -hmm. I think that might have had some separation. But the fact that you know he came in for what he got paid nine million bucks, basically super productive. Uh, but now you got to restart the process with him. So Foye Aluakin is running away with today's poll, and uh, understandably. 
he did lead the league in tackles for the second consecutive year. I thought there'd be some love for Arden Key. There's a little bit. He got second place votes. To me, it's more interesting that Foley Fatakasi is getting twice as many votes as Darius Williams. I, I was disappointed in what they got out of Foley this season. Yeah, I, I, I would have put Darius ahead of him. Um, I think that they, sh- they, they tried to put Darius in a situation uh, that he wasn't used to and didn't really fit in the slot. Um, but then once they moved him outside, he was fine. And I, I don't think that I saw too much of Fadakasi this year and to say that he was better than him at all. No, I'm with you. And uh, I think Darius, by the end of the season, became, you know, because of circumstance, a much more important player. Like, if you were going into a playoff game without him compared to Fadakasi, you would have been like, damn, what are we doing here at cornerback, right? So, I mean, that's why, in part, corner is one of the biggest needs on this football team. Still, we all anticipate Shaq Griffin – going to be somewhere else uh, that you got to get the salary cap savings by moving on from him and uh, you know hope that Tyson Campbell continues to grow into one of the best in the league right yeah. now yeah absolutely I think that um, you didn't anticipate Shaq uh, playing how he did and then obviously having the back injury which was a legitimate back injury I know a lot of people believe that there was something different going on there but it was he had surgery all that all that good stuff um, he doesn't know, obviously, if he's going to be back. I think that that's a pretty big question mark. Uh, so, yeah, you have to go in and you have to draft a, a cornerback. I think that's probably their highest need. Um, and, you know, the Darius Williams situation, like we talked about earlier, it's sort of, you know, he's probably going to be gone after this year anyway, um, and he's better suited outside. So um, you just kind of have to play your cards right there. And, but, but, yeah, going back to the question of the day, I think that, you know, Fadakasi, maybe it was due to some injuries because, you know, after that Eagles game, it seemed like that season, you know, his his first few games were solid, and then all of a sudden he just kind of disappeared mm-hmm. a little bit, and that's sort of where you're questioning. Right, and that's where the uh, Jags' run defense started off really strongly in the early part of the year. So maybe a healthy se- – look, that he they said he was their number one priority uh, as a – on the defensive side, in free agency last year, above Aluakin, above any of these guys, um, Aluakin came in and, and basically did what he did, which is run down a bunch of ball carriers and, and um, you know, tight ends in coverage uh, this year and bring them to the ground. Yeah. Uh, is there any chance, Demetrius, because we've seen fans go back and forth on this, it's a teeter-totter on 3-4-4-3 three, four, four, three. over the past decade in Jaguars fandom. They've gone to the 3-4, and now everyone wants to go back to the 4-3. It seems, looking at the personnel they have, do you think the personnel they currently have in the building better fits the 3-4, the 4-3? They play both in any given week anyway, but do you think it fits one or the other more? Yeah, I, I think uh, a base four or three makes more sense um, just because of what they have at, you know, with Trayvon Walker, with Josh Allen. I think that those guys are best with their hand on the ground. Um, and, you know, I, I think the three, four, four, three conversation is interesting because, uh, yeah, you know, they were at three, four this year. But, you know, if you look at it, they played a lot of, you know, four, two, five, where it's just nickel anyway. Yeah. Uh, you have four guys down. And that's pretty much what people think of when they think of the four, three anyway. I think that most. Most of the changes would be maybe they have three linebackers on the field now instead of two, um, which might make sense since you invested so heavily in it last year um, instead of, you know, wasting a, a, a guy, you know, kind of sitting on the bench as a first-round pick or a third-round pick. All right, uh, before we say goodbye to Demetrius Harvey for the day, let's say hello to XL Primetime. 
Now, the two-minute drill, brought to you by Tire Outlet. Keeping 1010XL talking with wholesale prices and premium service. Tire Outlet, Jacksonville's largest locally owned automotive repair shop. All right, big sirs in the house. Gentlemen, uh, gentlemen, good, how you doing? Good morning, Leon. Uh, how no you doing? gentleman in this room. None. Thank, thank you. Anyway, well, yourself. No, cool. <laughs> Maybe Demetrius. I don't know. I don't know. You know. But you want me to call you? Uh, you don't. You can call me about anything. You anything like. with a gentleman? Okay. Yeah, all right. it's all good, man. All right. uh, what are you guys cooking today on the program? Uh, well, we, we're going to have uh, Ahmad Reed come on. He's going to oh, get, yeah. get some insight on what Rogers is going through. Maybe give us an analysis of Super Bowl this Sunday. You know what Ahmad Green's really into? <laughs> Comic books. Really? I had Amon Green on last year on my Sirius XM show. Uh-huh. Huge into comics, all that whole, the whole superhero, everything. I mean, good uh, to know. yeah, dro- drop, ask him, ask him about Batman, and then just be prepared to shut up and listen for about five minutes. <laughs> really? right? Yeah, well, I'm, okay. I'm deadly nice. serious about that. Like, he's really, I appreciate that insight. he's like hardcore into it. Okay. Yeah, big time. So, okay. well, I went and did some research on him. And I did not find that, so yeah, I appreciate yeah, it. I'm on Green, I'm telling you. Uh, yeah. In fact, he may have a comic book shop up in Green Bay, Wisconsin, if I'm yeah. not mistaken. I, I can't. Right. I wouldn't swear to that, but uh, I think I remember something along those lines. So, right. uh, And we what? got Larry Brown coming on. Larry Brown uh, cost me a Super Bowl. Super Bowl three. Oh, uh, okay. So was, Coach Campbell is like, bringing him Larry on the show. Why not bring him on the show? Man? Why not bring him on the show? Why hey, not? It cost, uh, cost rookies across the NBA early development in their careers. The other Larry oh, he's Brown. Talking he's talking about that Larry Brown. No, I'm talking about my guy. Larry Brown. I'm talking about my Larry I know. Brown. I, that's why I know. Oh, that Larry Brown. That You're Larry guy. Brown. Yes, All right. Well, uh, Leon, uh, I'll look forward to finding out tomorrow. I don't think you've made your official Super Bowl pick yet. Not yet. Not yet. All right. Neither not have yet. we. But uh, I'm teetering. We all got back our lead. Forth. I mean, too, man. I'm not sure yet. Yeah. It's, it's, oh, well, hopefully the game turns out being I do. that competitive, right? I do. I really do. I hope it is a good game. All right. Well, have a great show today. Appreciate it. All right, man. We'll be listening uh, to XL Primetime coming up with Leon Searcy and the crew. So, for you, Demetrius Harvey, uh, what are the the weeks ahead? We've still got, you know, I guess Calvin Ridley. We'll find out, you know, uh, if he applies immediately for reinstatement. That could come at the end of next week. And then we've got free agency in the middle of March. So, between like now, over the next month, what what are the angles you'll look to explore for the Jaguars this offseason? Yeah, I still have some stuff in, in, in the pipeline in terms of reviewing last year's team. You held a few things back just yeah. for a rainy day. Just, just, a, couple, <laughs> just a couple of things because you kind of have to. Um, but, 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 yeah, I have that coming up, and then I'll probably dive into the free agencies and or into the free agents in terms of who they could bring in, things like that. And then uh, around the combine time is when I'll start diving really deep into the draft. So, you know, I got a lot of stuff coming up. Um, you know, you try to make the most of it. No doubt. Hey, listen, we look forward to having you back uh, as frequently as you're available uh, this offseason. Just love uh, talking Jaguar football with you as we've all enjoyed watching your rise throughout your career, doing a great job covering the team. We appreciate the time. I know Jaguar fans uh, love hearing from you, so thanks for coming in today, man. Yeah, I appreciate it. I appreciate you guys, and I appreciate all the fans. You know, you guys have shown me love for the past few years, so it's been great. Um, I'm looking forward to, to continuing the journey. All right, there you go, Demetrius Harvey, Florida Times Union on Twitter at Demetrius82 is where you'll find him. Uh, that'll do it for us today. Tom McManus in tomorrow. We'll actually talk about that game coming up on Sunday hey. a little bit, uh, right? And uh, I guess maybe tomorrow I'll give you your final reminder on the Fred Taylor thing. Uh, if you if you were tuning in today to find out how to enter the Fred Taylor uh, autograph flip card giveaway, email me, MikeD at 1010XL.com. Fred is the subject line. 100 words or less, make your pitch for Fred Taylor 
uh, to get into the Pro Football Hall of Fame. And uh, again, this was a pretty cool piece of memorabilia from the Jaguars' playoff win over the Chargers that Freddie personalized. They got a photo with him holding it up. So uh, that kind of will verify it for you as well. So uh, Mike D at 1010XL.com, subject line Fred, 100 words or less on why he deserves to be in the Pro Football Hall of Fame. And hopefully by tomorrow afternoon, I'll have a winner uh, decided for that. For Tony Smith and ET, I'm Mike Dempsey. Thank you for listening to Jaguars today on 1010XL and 92.5 FM. Yo, Jacksonville, who want to eat a W? Two more.